Hello and welcome to Landings with a Flare, the podcast where we supplement and support flight training. This is Captain Teresa. Thank you for joining us for a three-part series where I interview Captain Gemma from Indonesia. In the third section, we will speak about how internationally rated pilots can use a conversion process to convert foreign pilot certificates to FAA certificates. These conversations were recorded in October of 2021 and were the second set of conversations we ever recorded on Clubhouse. As usual, there will be some variation in audio quality. We hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversations. Welcome aboard. Captain Gemma, this is so valuable. I really appreciate what you're saying. I have one more big question for you, and then I think after that we'll take a break and then we'll take questions. So the big question, and actually one of the main reasons we started this conversation, is I know you know a lot about what it would take if there's a more advanced pilot, like a higher level pilot with a foreign certificate who would like to convert it to an FAA certificate. Would you be willing to explain a bit about the process that they would need to go through? Yeah, let's talk about the levels. So let's take two scenarios. Number one is this pilot is the pro pilot already fly for the operator. This guy has the ATP license, the foreign license, right? Because somehow they can just have like commercial pilot. So it's really, it's really depend now. Based on the FAR, I just found it that if you are the foreign ATP, you can convert your ATP to the FAA ATP because the requirement is, I think on the FAR, you can double check it on the ATP section. You will require to have like foreign ATP. Then you can jump to the training center, the 142 training center in States and convert your ATP with the new type ratings during the conversion. So number one, what you need to do is you go to 142 training center that offers the ATP conversion program for the foreign license, you will attend the conversion based on the paperwork first. That's number one. They will arrange that to the FISDO, the Flat Standard District Office. Then you will attend for the ATP CDP program. It's about nine days, costs you about 3,500 to 4,500, depend on the materials, depend on the facilities. Normally it's the one session, which is four hours of the level C flight simulator, the full flight simulator. They Sometimes they give you the level D. So that that's depend on the package as well. After you finish the classroom, I think that will be 30 hours classroom uh, discuss about the high altitude high aerodynamics rfsm something like that then after you complete all the course then they will give endorsement for attending the knowledge test for the atp the knowledge test is about 120 questions i believe and that valid for 60 months calendars uh, five years period then after that you can go for the flight training on the atp you can take the light twin, like the Duchess Seneca Seminole for the multi-engine ATP, or you can go for the type rating for the same airplane that you normally fly. So let's say you're flying the 77, A320, whatever the airplane, then you can take the same type rating under the FAA. Then that will really easy for you to get a pass on the check because you know the airplane already. So that's how you convert your type rating. If you are a commercial pilot holder and you want to get commercial, okay, 
Unfortunately, there will be no commercial to commercial conversion. So you will follow the 6175 FAR. That's about the private pilot foreign validation. Then you will go for the FISDO. They will give you the private pilot. But before that, you will fill a lot of paperwork. It's really easy. There will be a connection between your regulator and the FAA. The FAA will call your regulator and they will talk each other. And the FAA will give you the letter of authenticity or the LOA that valid for six months. Then you can go for the FAA FISDO to take your pilot certificate. From that private pilot foreign base, there will be a bracket on your pilot certificate. You can take the interim rating, you can take your commercial pilot, and that will be your standalone license of the FAA. Because your private pilot foreign base will rely on your mother license in your country. There are two different progress of conversion. It depends on what license that you're trying to convert. If you're Now, the third scenario is your commercial pilot, and you have all the requirement to become the FAA ATP then you can apply for the ATP FAA based on your commercial pilot. So you have to talk with the 142 with your condition and they will arrange for you. That is so much wonderful information. I'm going to summarize it and you can tell me if I got it correct. So there are really two different questions or levels of pilots. Let's start with the high level pilot. Like you said, the foreign ATP, the ATP, for those who don't know, is the highest level license. It stands for airline transport pilot. So let's say that they've been an airline pilot in their career, and now they just want to come over to the United States. The first step, like you said, is to find a training center called a Part 142 training center. That's a big simulator facility. Is that how you would explain that? Yes, correct. Okay, great. And actually, I did some research since the last time we talked. There is a very common one in the United States called flight safety. This is not an endorsement. This is just me trying to just look up some names uh, without a lot of time last week. But there's one called ATP Academy for Foreign Pilots, if you search that. And then there's one called Aerostar Training Services, LLC in Florida, Kissimmee, Florida. And like I said, I don't know the quality of these. I go, I go with Aerostar. I, oh, I will you do? let you know. Yeah, when I complete, I know David Santo and Deidre as the um, the owner, the CEO now. Um, so far, so good. But let's see. After I get my certificate, the Boeing certificate from them, then I will give you a testimonial about them. Ah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's good to experience it. Yeah, because the, the remember, the flight safety is only over you, the business jet. If you're looking for A320, 737, all the Boeing stuff, they will never over that. They're focused on the business jet, not commercial jet. That is a great point. Different simulator locations offer different type ratings. Excellent. So then once you find the school, it's a four-step process. As you said, there's the conversion paperwork. I believe that's called the Verification of Authenticity of a Foreign Rating. It's a form that's filed normally at least 90 days before you need it with the FAA, and then they have to double-check with your the foreign government to make sure that the certifying agency says that you are truly a pilot. And then once you get your letter of authenticity, I believe, saying that, yes, you have a foreign pilot certificate, then you move on to step two which is called taking a course called the ATP-CTP, 
which then allows you to be endorsed to take the knowledge test for the ATP. And even if you take the course, you still need to study on your own to make sure that you're ready for the test. Correct. And there's good testing software. I know there's one called Shepherd Air that's very popular. Again, that's not an endorsement. I'm just trying to give some names that people can start researching. And then, so step three is take a knowledge test. And then step four is take some type of check ride. And you mentioned that there are several different types or ways that the check ride can occur for the ATP check ride. It could be done in a light twin engine airplane, like you said, at maybe a local flight school. Or you could actually just take a type rating course at a simulator facility, maybe even in something you're already familiar with, and then just take the normal test after that. Did I summarize it pretty well? Absolutely perfect. Yes. Okay, great. And then just to summarize, so now let's say that there's not a pilot with that level of skill. Maybe they're a lower level pilot from a foreign country, private pilot, instrument rating, or commercial. So a private pilot is the only one that can be completely converted over without much additional training. And on that, you mentioned that form again, the verification of authenticity of a foreign pilot license. And I believe people recommend to wait about three months or 90 days or file it in advance. Let the governments talk to each other to verify that you have that. And then you'll get your letter of authenticity. Once you have that, now you can create an application and go to the FISDO. The FISDO is F-S-D-O. That's the FAA District Office. It stands for Flight Standards District Office, F-S-D-O. So you bring in your letter of authenticity and an application. Some people call the application IACRA, I-A-C-R-A, which is the computer version of the application. But if you can't do it on the computer, then there's also a paper version called the Form 8710. So then you go over to the FISDO and they'll convert the license. And I believe that they don't do a a formal English test, but they are still making sure that you can speak English a bit. I don't know if you know. Yeah, uh, I can share a little bit about it. So last time I got Italian students, you know, some Italian guy, they really struggle with English and especially my students. And he came to the FISDO. Normally the FISDO, if you can talk like general English very well, he will never asking some like difficult questions, um, even though they have rights to asking you because they will give you a ticket. And this student, his name is Max. He asked Max to open the FAR. And he picked any paragraph and, okay, please read it. <laughs> and then my students read it and, okay, yeah, you need to improve a little bit English, talk with the instructor, and this is your ticket. That's it. That's what they do. It's depend on the inspector that day. <laughs> if you have a lucky day, they will chit-chat with you, talking about your country, and give you a ticket. Now it's totally based on your luck. That sounds familiar to what I've heard also. Enrique, I believe I saw your microphone flash. Do you have input as well? Yeah, I believe the wording that I remember from the documents I did my research, uh, it says that the examiner will evaluate the candidate to see if he is able to speak English. It doesn't specify any level, and that leaves pretty much to a to a subjective standard from the examiner, like Dr. Gemma just said. Yeah, there will be no test of English. So the flight instructor and also the designated pilot examiner, they have the authority and responsibility to judge about the English. 
So whenever your pilot certificate say English proficient, that will be in your pilot certificate as well. That will equivalent with the IKO level four. Okay. And Enrique, go ahead. Yeah, and I even spoke about that with Captain Theresa a few weeks ago about the IKO levels. And it's something that especially Americans they are not familiar with the IKO English assessment because pretty much everyone that is a native um, American, they are native to the United States. I'm sorry about that. Um, they pretty much are granted level six automatically because that's their native language. Excellent. So the levels go up through level six. The highest level is six, which is usually if it is a native language. Okay. So I believe you are correct. Captain Gamma, I'd forgotten that the FISDO did that, but they do often give a small English test, like having someone read a part of the regulations and then explain it, or maybe read a part of the airplane manual and explain it in their own words. I think sometimes they can just have them talk about flying procedures a little bit or something like that as well. Thank you for reminding me. So then, so they do the paperwork to verify their foreign license. Then they get the letter of authenticity. They fill out the application and they go to the FISDO, the Flight Standards District Office. Then the inspectors, the aviation safety inspectors, at the Flight Standards District Office evaluate their English, and it might be just informal or quick. And then they will issue a certificate, an FAA certificate, that's what we call foreign-based. So it's still based on the foreign license, which means that they still have to keep their foreign license and their foreign medical certificate active. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am, is, is correct. Okay, wonderful. And I almost know all of this, but I'm glad that I'm checking with somebody. And then once they get their foreign-based license before they fly in the United States, they still have to do a flight review with an instructor in the United States, which is at least an hour of ground instruction and at least an hour of flight instruction. But really, it's until the flight instructor believes that they will be a safe pilot. Is that also correct? Yes, that's correct. And normally when the students come with the conversion, they will do the instrument rating. That's that's the common way to do it because they come and they want to add some rating, so they do the private pilot verification. Normally, I do the flight review during the instrument training. So the FAA is okay with that, the examiner is okay with that, and the most important part during the check ride, don't forget to have the endorsement from the flight instructor for your flight review. I know you have been very busy and the instructor may forget about it and the examiner will take a look. Okay, you're foreign base, where's your endorsement of the flight review? And 80% of the time, the instructor forgot to put the endorsement because they jump into the instrument rating training because that happened once to me and my examiner give a good chance. Okay, just do the endorsement. I'll take a coffee and then I'm coming back and check your logbook again. So we're safe. That is wonderful. I actually used to do that with instrument rating endorsements as well. If someone came to me for an instrument rating and they were maybe an inexperienced or rusty private pilot, I would say, well, tell you what, your flight review can be part of your instrument rating because let's just start your instrument training. You know, maybe we'll brush up on VFR skills a little bit. I might even test them on their VFR skills. That's another story. And then as they were still working on some of the instrument concepts, they were still bringing back their proficiency and their skills and getting comfortable in the airspace. And if someone is from another country, it's nice to get a little familiarity with radio calls. And then maybe a few lessons into the instrument rating, 
you could go ahead and say, okay, you're at least safe now for a flight review, so I'll sign you out for the flight review, and let's continue your instrument rating. And then is it true that once they take an instrument checkride in the United States, then they would not have a foreign-based certificate anymore? At that point, they could just have an FAA certificate. Is that correct? No, if the instrument rating is not a standalone, so it's just a rating. So the instrument rating will be added on their new private pilot certificates, the foreign one, because the FAA will send you another private pilot foreign-based, but with instrument rating on the single engine. Unless you're taking the commercial pilot license, that will be your first standalone without a foreign um, titles behind that. Oh, that makes so much sense. You are helping me so much. I get these questions a lot from pilots around the world. And this is the first time I think I'm really, truly understanding it. So an instrument checkride would still be on a foreign-based private pilot certificate because that is not a level of certificate, like you just said. Although they could do a commercial checkride and then it would be completely FAA-based. And now they would need the FAA medical certificate instead of going back to their home country and getting their medical certificate there. Yes. Yeah, that's happened with my students. Um... We got some accidents. We flew together. He owned a Malaysia license. And after that, we found that on that accident, the regulator do a lot of investigation and they suspended my friend, right? And then what happened is, okay, let's screw up, screw all this, this stuff and let's just take another full private pilot check ride. So he has a foreign private pilot and he took private pilot check ride then the FA will give you the full private pilot checkride standalone. Because my friend, he doesn't want to take the commercial pilot. I just want to get my full private pilot without any connection with my country. So he took the private pilot checkride, and finally now he is a completely standalone private pilot certificate holder. That makes sense. So you could just do the full checkride and then get the standalone instead of the forum-based. Yeah. The other question is, do you really need to do all the solo again, right? That's a big question. Oh, is <laughs> no. it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. a lot of people confused. Do I really need to give endorsement? So at that time, I don't want any risk. So I give him like a, like the whole endorsement, 6187, all the cross country. But finally, I talked with the FAA. Hey, all the requirements that acknowledged by the IKO country member the FAA also acknowledged that. So basically, if you already meet with the 61109, all the regulation, back then in your country, what you need is just do the three hours flight training with the address instructor that will give you endorsement for the check ride. That's a beautiful thing that the FAA explained to me. Wow. I understand how there could be some question there. Would they have to apply for a student pilot certificate again? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. So you need student pilot for the check ride. That's kind of funny things, but you don't have to do the solo because they approve the solo from your country. But for uh, precaution, because every examiner has different interpretation. That's so sad news. Then it's better for the instructor just to give endorsement and just do the solo. Anyway, you need to fly. You need to be familiar just for the backup. I don't want any surprise. You jumped into the check ride and the examiner thinks, huh, I don't agree with that. You need all the endorsement. You need to repeat one more time. Then you screw up. So just better to prepare all the paperwork, all the endorsement like that. Okay. Wow. That is really getting nuanced. And that is great. I can tell that you have done this in person. 
I wouldn't have even thought to ask that until I was working with a student. Okay, I think maybe just a few more questions here. So with the instrument rating, let's say that the foreign pilot has a private pilot certificate and already has an instrument rating. Am I correct that before they go to the FISDO, that they can take a knowledge test for the instrument rating? They actually take a special knowledge test for the instrument rating, and then they can get their instrument rating added to their foreign-based private pilot certificate at the same time. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. There's a special 50 questions of instrument rating for adding that instrument rating for rain base to the private pilot for rain base. There are two different tasks of the instrument rating. The normal knowledge test that will consist 60 questions, but the special instrument rating for the foreign it is uh, 50 questions. Excellent. So make sure you take the right one. And just to let pilots know, there will be background checks for all pilots coming into the United States. The background checks are through the Transportation Security Administration which is part of the Department of Homeland Security. Basically, it's, it's an anti-terrorism measure. It's making sure that pilots are learning how to fly for the correct reasons. And most flight schools can walk you through that. You have to notify the flight school that you're planning to apply to go to that flight school before you apply anyway. So you should contact your individual flight school so that they can verify that they've spoken with you ahead of time. Does anyone have anything to add about the background checks? Yes. Don't forget, every people who never come to United States for the flight training, they will have the fingerprint authorization. So you have to call the fingerprint agent, which is handled by NETA, okay? And then they will come to you. There's a list in your region. You will pay about $99 online. So they need to take your fingerprint. That's for the FBI, for the background check. And after that, you're going to wait for, I think, three, four days if you're lucky. Sometimes if you're really busy, that can take like a week or two weeks. Then after that, the TSA will receive that fingerprint. Then will give you authorization for doing the flight training. That's a great point. You often need to pay for the fingerprinting. I think some places used to do it for free, but... I think that's less common. And then the TSA also makes you pay an application fee. I know it used to be $130 for that. Yes, it's still $130. It's okay. still $130. And the fingerprint is $99 online. Okay, excellent. Great. Well, I think this summarizes a lot. This is amazingly valuable information that a lot of even flight instructors in the United States really don't know the answer to. I'm just learning a lot of this now, and I was a flight instructor for 12 years. So. Captain Gemma, you have such valuable experience. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be answering questions. Welcome back, everybody. We are here to ask questions about accelerated pilot training and how to convert foreign pilot certificates to FAA certificates. Does anyone here who's on stage want to ask questions or add clarifications or talk about common misconceptions? Let's start with Philip. Okay, um, one additional question to the ATP uh, conversion. So I remember it's a four-step procedure we have to go through. And my question is, in between which steps shall I put in the radio operator certificate to fly outside of the 48 states? Also to save money on double licensing. 
That is a great question. I believe I can answer that, but feel free to correct me if anyone hears me saying it incorrectly. I believe you can do that at any time, Philip. I believe you can even do it right now. The radio operator permit that you're interested in applying for is through the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. When I applied for it, if I remember correctly, basically all it took was going to the right place on their website, checking a box saying that I agreed to follow certain rules, and then paying with a credit card. And I believe that anyone can do that regardless of their level of rating. So the hardest part is just figuring out where to go on their website. You can contact me. I believe I have some information on that. Does anyone have anything to add to that? Captain Gemma, I don't know if you have any additional insight. I fully agree with you. I think y'all can do it from now, actually. So it's not... uh... So it's not part of the endorsements of the license. You just have to have the certificate. Yeah. And what is the airline you fly? Is it a November airplane or your European airplane? Yeah, sir. Okay. So I don't think you need the FCC radio license on the FAA. Who will really need that FCC is people who fly the November airplane around the world, no matter if it's fly small airplane or big airplanes. So I don't think the FCC, FCC things apply for your case. Oh, good to know. Thanks a lot. Yeah, so the difference is, Philip, if you were converting to FAA certificates and applying for a job at a United States-based company, then it would be required. It's required at most regional airlines and major airlines. But you should really think of it more as a registration than as something that requires training to achieve. It's basically just registering, if that makes sense. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Sure thing. Enrique, I believe you may have had comments or questions. Do you want to go? Yeah, I believe I'm on the same boat as Philip. Uh, We both are looking to bring our licenses to the FAA. Dr. Gamma, this 14-day pilot offers that, I would say, the the service to, to help pilots, not from only Indonesia, but from other parts of the world, to bring their licenses to the FAA. Yes, and what license do you have now? Is that ATP? No, I'm not on ATP yet. I currently hold a commercial certificate with an IFR rating. I would like also to get my multi-engine rating in the United States. Okay, yeah. The 6175 will apply for you and you will get a private pilot for in. I think that's pretty straightforward. It's really easy for you. Yeah, and... As far as I'm concerned, I don't have the minimum requirements for a commercial in the United States. Here in Brazil, we do get granted the commercial certificate with a lower minimum hours. So I would need to complete those two to meet the 250 hours mark, right? Do you have 50 hours of the AATD time? No, I have 25 for my IFR rating. Great. So you can add another 25 for your commercial. It's cheaper. Yeah, way cheaper. I agree. Okay. I may get in contact with you in the near future to, to My see. My pleasure. Yeah. You can, you, can, you can buy the King School from now. I mean, like study from now about the airspaces because that's really a big deal about the airspace in States. It's totally different with the other planets. <laughs> yeah. It's also the techno charts. They are, they are totally different from, from ours here. 
So we just connected someone in Indonesia with someone from Brazil who might come to the United States. And this was all started because of Philip, who is in Europe. Enrique, the part that you were talking about with ours is 14 CFR 61.129. It's aeronautical experience for commercial pilots. It lists out all of the specific hour requirements you need, nighttime flying, instrument time, etc. And you could actually go to the regulations. All the FAA regulations are on the internet and the Electronic Code of Federal Regulations, ecfr.gov. Go to Title 14 and then Part 61 and you'll find all the regulations you need there. And then that's for the commercial. It's 61.129.129. For the private, it's 61.109.109 for the private pilot. Great. I think we did a really thorough job of answering questions before this, Captain Gemma. This has been a wonderful conversation. We're going to go ahead and end it here. We wish you all the best wherever you are in the world. Thank you, Captain Gemma, for joining. Thank you, everyone else who was here with us. We appreciate everyone listening in the audience and everyone listening on the podcast as well. God bless you, Captain Teresa. Fly safe. Thank you, guys. Take care. This is Captain Teresa with a post-episode debriefing. Less than two months after the episode was recorded, Captain Gemma did successfully complete his Boeing 737 type rating. He had an excellent experience and did a great job. Captain Gemma, we would like to congratulate you and also thank you again for all of your support for the podcast, both in this conversation and in others. There were many reasons that this episode may have been edited, including length, audio quality, and accuracy. We don't always have the right answers. I ask you to view this as entertainment and not as a replacement for formal instruction or advice. If you want to send constructive feedback or if you have questions, feel free to contact us through our website, landingswithaflare.com. You can view announcements on our Instagram account, landingswithaflare. You can also join our live conversations on Clubhouse in the club pilot flight training. If you got value out of this podcast, please consider subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a positive review. Wherever you are in the world, we wish you happy landings.